0: All right, Soccer Max. Once again, guys, we're live right now on the Twitter. Y'all can go check us out if y'all are happen to be around. If not, for later on audio, thank you for doing so. And it's awesome once again to have our dear friend and you know awesome soccer expert here, Rachel. Here, how are you? I'm so happy to be back. I've missed you. We have missed you. And of course, always here with me, Mr. Eric Walken. Question Are we
1: live on the Twitter? Well, not the
0: the Twitter, because I don't know why the the network tweet. I have to go redo that again. But if you want to share it on yours, Eric. Sure. We have a lot. I mean, one week has gone by, and I feel like everything in American soccer decided to happen in that one week. Seriously, it's crazy. NWSL uh, college draft, the expansion draft, the Charlotte FC expansion draft, the NWSL framework for their season the mls schedule the CONCAF uh champions league round of 16 draw
1: oh. um
0: the, the every, there's us men's national team players and the news for possible moves to big bigger team or well just as big or bigger teams in europe i mean it feels like all that needs to happen is like the mls tv deal needs to like get signed tomorrow come we'll, on
1: have John. All,
0: We'll have it all happen in like a week Okay, so, um, you know, just to set the stage, we are going to talk a lot about NBSL here because they had their draft. Uh, they had, you know, both the drafts. They, they have a big uh, move with what's going to happen with some of the players. Uh, So, you know, that's one of the big reasons why we have Rachel on today, but it's awesome always to have her back here because, you know, we haven't been able to have you on. Like, what did you think of that NBSL championship final? What did you think of the MLS Cup final? I mean...
2: Oh, so the NWSL one I was actually at. Um, so Louisville was awesome. Louisville was great. Um, the city's pretty cool. Um, the people there are super duper friendly, the stadium. You know, I, I had heard so much stuff about this stadium being like, oh, it's such a great place to to play. Um, a couple weeks before the final, I talked to Shayna Matthews from the team, and she was like, Oh my gosh, like wait until you get there. Uh, and actually see the stadium for yourself, like, it's ridiculous, and it was so, it's so weird to say it, but it's, like, so professional, and, like, it's just one of the coolest stadiums that I've ever been in. It's definitely my favorite stadium to shoot at, because um, in Orlando, when I'm photographing, like, they have the photographers on the one end, like, you're in front of the fans, so, like, I always feel like, I mean, I'm only five foot two, but I feel like I'm blocking people all the time, (laughs) um, So Louisville was definitely my favorite stadium to shoot at, but it was it was a really good game. I just I remember going into it and I was like, this game is somehow some way going to go into like extra time, but like I pray to God it doesn't go to penalty kicks because like you watch how I'm at the end where the penalty kicks don't happen, and then I got to race and try to get a good spot. (laughs) Um, But it was such a good game. It was really cool to see Washington win. Um, Washington was kind of my. De facto hometown team because they were the closest to me when I lived in Pittsburgh. Um, so I've always had a soft spot for the spirit. So I was really excited to see them win. And then for the MLS Cup final, um, oh my gosh, like I have to remind myself who who played and who NYCFC won. And
0: in Portland yes. and YCFC
2: win. I, I didn't watch it live because I was working, but I li- listen, I'm a Sounders fan. I can never say anything nice about Portland, but there is this picture. <laughs> someone took of like when Felipe Morris scored that equalizer and when he was celebrating and it's like one of the coolest pictures ever taken like it just shows the essence of like the MLS Cup Final and Providence Park and everything but I was really excited for NYCFC um I have a really good friend named Dylan Walsh and he's a big fan of NYCFC so I was happy for him although I've been telling him like hey like Sounders have two you only have one so like check yourself Um, (laughs) but it's, I like seeing, you know, as much as I love the Sounders, it was getting boring with Sounders-Toronto, Sounders-Toronto. So it was cool to see some, like, a new team kind of get in the mix. Um, I was really excited to see them win. Um, sorry, Red Bulls fans.
0: (laughs) Uh, I mean, uh, it got some rating too. So that's good for, you know, with that upcoming MLS TV package that's supposedly quarter one, 2022, they're going to have that figured out for week three. Course, Night-time that's...
1: final, Dawn. Night-time. Do not Nighttime be final.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially if you have it on a, on maybe a Saturday or something.
2: That would uh, be
1: much better,
0: thank you. Yeah. If you have it on a Saturday, I think you have a better shot than doing it on a Sunday primetime. Going against Sunday Night Football, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. There. <laughs> uh, so, but that being said, Rachel, I mean, this. Uh, let's start with the NWSL uh, expansion. So we have two new teams coming in. San Diego Wave and Angel City FC, both in the, you know, California area. So you had two teams at once already getting that rivalry in. I mean, what did you think about this uh, expansion draft and who got taken? And obviously one of San Diego's big picks immediately got traded. So that, yeah. that was so uh, funny.
2: Lewis, yeah, um, it was so funny because, Uh, We were just talking before we went live that I had done a podcast with my friend, Trevor Tracy from last word on soccer and Trevor and I with all the trades and everything, we just like, we didn't do a mock draft because we were like, that's way too difficult. We're not even going to try to figure that out. Yeah. But we were like, okay, these are the players that we're like, definitely sure are going to get picked. And it went totally opposite. I can't believe nobody. I don't know if there was a handshake deal or just like a, you know behind behind closed doors deal but like megan oyster veronica latsko were not protected i like how do you not pick them up and that's nothing against like jasmine spencer she's such a good player um but the picks were definitely not what i thought they would be the rain ones definitely felt like a gut punch i feel like the rain has lost so much of their roster this off season between yeah. the expansion draft and then like yesterday's very questionable trade in the NWSL draft with Pruitt and Jimenez Delgado going down to Orlando um, for Phoebe McLaren. but I, I just like Danny Weatherhole. I, I think she's from that area. So I think she wanted to go uh, to San Diego and then, Oh my gosh, who else did they pick up? Kristen McNabb, yeah. Kristen McNabb. Those are two really solid players for OL rain. And I mean, that team's already going to be missing out on Jennifer Marazon Sarah Bohadi and Eugenie Sommer, Like, their loans are done. They're back with OL. And now you've just lost McNabb, Weatherholt, who Weatherholt is such a good midfielder. I think she kind of got buried on that roster, um, along with Shirley Cruz. That's why Shirley Cruz left and is probably going back to Costa Rica. Sobs, 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 sobs. But I, I think OL Rain, man, they got... They got a chunk taken out of them in these last two drafts, Um, but they were definitely not the picks that I expected to come from uh, San Diego and uh, uh, the Angel City, but, and and like the flipping Christy Mewis that, you know, there's still talk about, is she going to go to Tottenham? Is she, you know, actually going to stay with the league? I mean, if you're paying, what is it? 200K in allocation money Gotham paid uh, to get Christy Mewes, I would sure as shoot hope that she is yeah. uh, playing for them. But I I do think, not to go off too too far away from the draft talk, but like I think Gotham's mindset has really confused me this offseason because they traded away Kaylin Sheridan to get Allie Krueger and Ashlyn Harris. And now you've got Christy Mewes. So your roster is getting progressively older instead of progressively younger. So they've they've been kind of confusing. But Yeah, the expansion draft was not what I expected. Um,
0: I mean, did you, like, do you think that's more of their Gotham's trying to get some star power after Carly Lloyd
2: retired? Is there actually some, like,
0: footballing sense?
2: I don't know, because I think they have star power already. Because, like, Carly Lloyd, like, yeah, she's obviously the big name. You know, she's popular. She's played um, a lot of, she's one of the most decorated U.S. Women's National teams of all time. But she wasn't popular in the sense of she wasn't the most likable player for a lot of the fan base. Um and I mean they have that star power with Estelle Johnson with they had that star power with Caitlin Sheridan. Um and they have it with Midge purse and Manu and now Caprice Sidasco and and I mean shoot, even their general manager is a, a a star, Yael Averbush. So I don't I don't know if Star Powers may be it. I was really like, I really thought like Orlando was going to be it for Allie Krieger and Ashlyn Harris. Like, I really thought that was going to be their final place, but clearly, clearly it wasn't. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, Ashlyn Harris is still a very good goalkeeper. Allie Krieger had a very off year last year. Ashlyn Harris kind of dipped towards the end of the year, but like to me, just kind of looking at two players, I would never trade away Kaitlyn Sheridan for Ashlyn Harris.
0: Yeah, I saw that. Uh, you know, I, I listened to like a lot of your uh, podcasts that you did. Very high on Kaylin Sheridan. So yes, she's I've, great. It's uh, it's very interesting just how many moves have been happening. You look at these rosters now, and it's uh, for being expansion, it's it's crazy. Some of these players that you know you have on here, you're talking about with what San Diego, Abidal, Camper, McNabb, Sheridan, Doniak, Katie Johnson, Alex Morgan. Kelsey Turbo, if this whole roster gets to play half the, or most of the season, I mean, you're talking about, that's a a lot of big name players that you bring in younger talent in this college draft and they get to learn from.
2: And, and their crest is awesome. Oh yes. And, you know, Eric, do you remember when, um, Jill Ellis, Uh, left the national team in in 20 or 20 yeah end of 2019 and we were like dang it it's a one syllable name and Vlatko isn't well guess what she's the general manager of San or the vice president or whatever the heck she is of San Diego so damn it Jill I want a hot pink kit if I don't get do do (laughs) what inter Miami and Angel City could never do and give us that pink kit I hate the color pink but I would buy the crap out of a pink kit Dang it, Jill. I mean,
1: you heard the you heard the lady, Jill. Come on now. Hot pink kits. We've proven they sell. It fits in with the overall colors. You can make this happen. I don't ask for much. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean there's it's I, I really love when they showed off the crest and, and everything and the kit, at least their normal kit, I mean it looked like this is gonna be some uh fantastic looking stuff they're gonna be wearing uh during the season. I mean, I know you're not as uh As big on Angel City, uh, Rachel, but they've got a pretty nice looking roster as well, like getting to add Sarah Gordon and Julie Ertz, uh, already getting, you know, Kristen Press, um, you know, Simon Charlie and then adding that forward line with adding Jasmine Spencer. I mean, that's pretty formidable as well.
2: Yeah, I think when they added Sarah Gordon, I was finally like, okay, now they're finally starting to do the soccer stuff. And that's not to say like them adding Kristen Press wasn't. She's a great player, obviously. She very much should have been on the shortlist and potentially the winner for the U.S. Women's Player of the Year. But like a lot of their, I guess, advertising when they picked up Press, it seemed like they were trying to be more of a brand than they were a team. And I know a lot of people kind of had that um, mindset for them. Like let's get going with the soccer stuff. Come on now guys. But like, I think, I think they're definitely like in the swing of things now. I think, you know, Freya Coombe has been pretty quiet. I'm interested to see what her big role is as the coach, like with all this stuff, but they, they are shaping up to have a nice roster. I do hope one thing for sure though. um, I love Simone Charlie and I think she was great in Portland. And even when like, the internationals were coming back. She was still starting and getting good minutes. I hope she remains a starter there because I think she's a really good striker and I think she has a future with the U.S. Women's National Team. Let's
0: hope so, for sure. So, I mean, transitioning over to the college draft, I mean, how, what do you think are like the big, some like major players to talk about coming from there or or are big topics out of that uh, college draft?
2: I, I think this year's draft class was interesting because a lot of the players, I, I had to be like, who? Who are you? Um, what have you done this year? Um, so for the last five years, four of the top picks have been Stanford uh, players. And the, the trend continued uh, this year. Everyone was pretty much like, Jalen Howe is going to go first. Jalen Howe's is going to go first. But then Naomi Gurma kind of swiped in there for that number one pick. Jalen Howe went number two. Um, but I think for me, the biggest storylines really are Mia official is being reunited with her college coach, uh, Amanda Cromwell who was hired from UCLA to the Orlando Pride yeah. this off season. So she's reunited uh Cromwell I think she picked up. Let me just look here real quick before I say something wrong, but I didn't think she was the only UCLA player but I could be wrong. I'm wrong. She was the only UCLA player she she picked up. But um I remember during the broadcast they were saying, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe Mia Fischel is is falling this far down um, the draft. I was really surprised, too. I thought North Carolina was going to get her. Um, they ended up taking, I, I believe her name is Emily Gray yeah. um, from VT. And I think it's cool to see Fischel um, with her old college coach, but it's definitely going to be interesting to see the dynamic of – okay, now, like, she's not your college coach. She's your professional coach now. So I think that's going to be interesting to hear about and, and and see as well. But also, I think another big storyline really co- – there were a lot of goalkeepers drafted, um, which is usually pretty odd, but also very excited because the nice thing with the expansion teams is now these teams there's, – there's room for more goalkeepers. Goalkeepers, you know, you can only have so many on the roster – and there's so many talented goalkeepers in the league, so it's nice to um, see a goalkeeper get drafted, get drafted early. Claudia Dickey from UNC goes to the Rain, who I think they only have one goalkeeper rostered, and that goalkeeper that they have rostered, I'm blanking on her name right now, but I know her first name is Fallon. But she, I think she only played in one game last year, maybe one or two. So they went from being super experienced. Um, and goalkeeper with having Buhati to now just like, you could you could very well see rookie Claudia Dickey starting in between the sticks for uh, OL Reign next year. I wouldn't be surprised about that. And then where's my flag? Oh, no, I can't find my Russian flag. I lied. Mm-hmm. It's right here. <laughs> here we go of course there it is um i'm very sad that we did not get to see the first russian player drafted or even picked for an nwsl team um there is a player out of syracuse named alina mayakova and um i, I have a friend who's a reporter who lives in saint petersburg um her name is paulina and she said that she had talked to Alina and she was like, I'm not super confident that I'm gonna get drafted, but I put my name out there. Um, she's she was a good player for Syracuse. I actually got to call a couple of her games whenever I worked for the University of Pittsburgh, but I was very upset, very sad that we didn't get that. I said, I don't even care if she goes to Portland, I will stand so hard.
0: <laughs> well, you know, they do have this like preseason period where she could still like maybe appear for a team.
2: I hope so.
0: Play her way onto a roster. I'll cry. Yeah, I mean, and speaking of that, you know, we now know what's going to be happening with the NWSL schedule because it's already been, the format's been announced, at least, for what we're going to see. And that is uh, pretty cool on its own. We're going to have the Challenge Cup, of course, is going to come back. We're going to have an actual balanced schedule, guys, which, you know, that's, Pretty awesome to see from a you know a U.S. based soccer company going on and saying okay home and away that's what we're doing twenty two games they they took off two of them and then of course we're going back to the end of October for the end of a cell championship uh, not doing it in November like last year obviously there's the the World Cup that is happening in November which is why you know everybody's trying to rush to make sure they finish their season and uh, what do you think of the what they've done with the schedule for this season, right?
2: I love that it's balanced. I don't mind that they're going down two games. Um, I'm interested to see the format for the Challenge Cup because it's like a month and a half long. Um, Yeah. So that should be interesting to to see when that kind of gets rolled out. Um, And then, of course, you obviously have more teams. So how do you split up groups and you know whatnot? I love the schedule. I think I I
0: heard the early was... Four groups of or three groups of four
2: three groups of four that wouldn't be yeah. bad i, I kind of like that
0: or possibly four groups of three not i think it hadn't been hammered out yet but yeah
2: no i th- i think that's good three groups of um three groups of four sounds good um I like the balance. I hate, you know, if I if I stay in this job and I'm still in Florida, um, by the time of the NWSL championship, that's going to be an issue because that's the weekend of our biggest fundraiser. Why are you putting the championship on the weekend of Halloween? I don't understand that. Whatever.
0: <laughs> well, Maybe I mean,
2: you I g- compete with the with the men's World Cup. That's like the only thing I could think of.
0: Yeah, I mean, the women's World Cup's not to like a couple of days before Thanksgiving though, so you could. Yeah, know, you know, have November
1: twenty like, first. So yeah.
0: So, I mean, you could technically have it like the week after Halloween. It's Halloween also, days. I'm, I'm also good with them not having this big layoff as well for the team right. to qualify. And there's only going to be six teams going to the postseason again. So there, you know, it is still, it is half the league, but you have to, you, you, the first two teams get the buy, which is good for your season, making the season matter a little mm-hmm. bit more. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens with the challenge go. I, that is, man, that's that's really long, though, to have a,
1: if a I tournament. Were, if I were to hazard a guess, ideally, it should be three groups of four. Have what your standard 12, then your quarterfinals, etc. But yeah. that wouldn't necessarily take six. If I had to hazard a guess, I'd say they're staying with the groups and having two, six. That's the only thing that would make sense time-wise. I mean, they could also days. just,
0: like, separate it out as well. You know, have the games have a bit more space in between because hey, cool. uh, they're still in preseason. Yeah, we'll see. I'm gonna bet on the four groups of or the three groups of four, but they still have to make. I mean, it could be a lot of things. I just don't. I don't think they will go that deep of two groups of six. They want to try to divide it a bit more. But like you said, because it looks people are used to that, right? Mm-hmm. The more, yeah, and I
2: think yeah. they would have to go regional again. Because I mean, last year was fairly
0: re- Yeah, especially with um, let's see what happens with uh, this latest COVID outbreak that is grappling everyone at the moment. You'll definitely want to make it regional because you don't want so much travel in the, uh, with the, the teams to make it. Yeah, um, I'm excited for the season to start. A lot of good things happening. And another thing now the teams have to tackle, though, is that the U.S. Women's National Team salaries are not national team player salaries. are not being paid for by U.S. Soccer. They're now being paid for by the nwsl what do you think about that um rachel you think it's good to finally have that distance where nwsl teams now have that independence or is this going to hurt them financially
2: no more allocation lists i am so excited no more of those stupid allocations i have had such an issue with them for like since the 2015 world cup because essentially it's like I think it's like 22 or 23 players get allocated by the federation and the federation pays the salaries. That basically means like those allocated players, you can suck. And we have seen players look like absolute crap for club and still get called up for country because of these out, excuse me, because of these allocation lists. It happened with Alex Morgan in 2019. Um, I mean, there's other examples I can't think of that off the top of my head. Carly Lloyd is definitely a prime example of that. Um, not really performing up to par for club but yet still getting kelly o'hara who was who finally had a healthy season this past year she's been unhealthy for the past like five or six years and yet she continuously got call-ups over players like didasco megan oyster um who is the player for north carolina i'm thinking of carson pickett because she was on that allocation list I'm so happy those are finally gone. I think that gives Vlaco a little bit more room to be creative with his rosters, to not feel obligated to be like, "Oh well, Kelly O'Hara is injured, but I still have to call her in because she's being paid for by the Federation." So we got to get some use out of her. Um, it's nice to have that, and I hope—I really hope—that he sticks with. When he came in, he said listen, you got to like fight for your spot. You got to play consistently for your club. You know, I'm going to be watching. Like he was a guy who came from club team. And mm-hmm. so I hope that now with these allocation lists being gone, that he has a little bit more freedom with his roster and he actually uses that freedom.
0: We saw some of that with the Australia game. So hopefully he continues that. I really think uh, people should watch that behind the crest for both games. Um, Black Coast really funny. He just said some. Mm-hmm like crazy stuff just like all right well he's serious he's super serious this is a friendly that they travel all the way to australia for and we're gonna treat this like it's a world cup final i mean you know you go dude <laughs> like it's, i mean like uh rachel said everybody's gonna battle for this so something that something when when it's gonna be what another year before you're getting into a world cup qualifying well, sometime this year they're gonna be doing that world cup qualifying but it's gonna be a while so you got to earn your, your way into that I, I guess we have to talk about this. Uh, unfortunately, there is always some kind of negative that kind of happens when you have these big tentpole events, like an expansion, like a draft, an expansion draft. Unfortunately for the Portland Thorns, they got themselves into another sticky situation considering everything they have been through already from last season, uh, you know, with with the whole coaching issue and all the other things that it went out through the entire league. They went and picked up with their 13th pick, uh, Sydney Nacello, who... Uh, She has some weird, I would say, you know, questionable uh social media activity when it comes to tweeting, or not not herself tweeting, but retweeting. I think, like, liking racist and transphobic tweets. Um, she apologized and then all of a sudden made her Twitter private, which you can take that one way or another, right? And then also the Portland Thorns have come out and given a... A statement saying that they did a lot of background checks on her, but they didn't do a good enough social media background check on her. And of course the Rose City Riveters came out with their, they don't stand for fascism, homophobia, transphobia. We are against all of these. We don't support anyone who represents or espouses these views full stop. What do you think about this, Rachel? Like, do you think this is going to make it to the point where they'll have to either trade her away or release her? Or you think they can somehow enough of these apologies are going to make it to where maybe she can actually step on the pitch and not have stuff thrown
2: at her or something? Yeah, I don't know. I think, Sean, you're putting me in a spot. <laughs> I don't like what she retweeted. I don't like what she liked. I don't like her social media activity. But yeah. I don't think that's reason to kick her off of it. A- especially because yeah. she didn't say it herself right i think i think this would be a hugely different conversation if she was like saying all this stuff herself and that like i mean clearly if you're liking it and retweeting it it means that you obviously like agree with it right but i don't think that's reason to get kicked off of it i don't know i'm very conflicted on this because it's like I feel bad for her because she's not even she hasn't even stepped on the pitch and done anything and she's already like one of the most hated people in the nwsl there yeah. are certain there are definitely I don't know how to put it there's just like I, I think she'll end up going to Europe because I think yeah, she's gonna get chased out of the nwsl That's er- like everything the I point. have
0: seen every time that there's a post about it whether it's a journalist whether it's a the actual, you know, apology tweet from the Portland Thorns, whether it's, it is absolute just this nasty victory on Twitter. Um, and the thing is, obviously there are going to be fans that go to these games that don't pay attention, but your most vocal fans are going to be the ones that do. And they're going to know about this and they're going to make their voices heard. Is the team willing to say, well, she's she hasn't played for us yet? She hasn't, we don't really know any, what her skills are aside from what we've seen with her in college. Is it worth it to us to have an upset fan base over one player? Eric, I mean, we've seen this before.
1: We have. Or, you know,
0: in other sports or what do you think as far as, I mean, obviously people have the right to be upset. Yeah. About you this. have,
1: yeah. and I say this all the time. Do you have the right to be upset? Yes. Do you also have the right not to be upset? Yes, you do unfortunately with where we're at now and you said it yourself is it worth the thorns to have an upset fan base over one player and you ask yourself how upset is that fan base to get is it just going to be the point to where they also express themselves on social media is it going to be to the point to where they're going to come out and attend the games just solely to boo or is it to the point to where they're going to start organizing boycotts And not attend games at all. If they decide not to attend games at all. And if Portland is looking that okay. This is going to be the problem. Where it's going to hurt us financially. Then yes. You go ahead. You cut that off. You basically don't play her. She goes to Europe as you said Rachel. Or what have you. But Portland's going to be looking at this. Very very carefully. As they should. Yes with fans go ahead and express your opinion. But also a you do have some people that can change b she wasn't saying these things herself there weren't even any quotes or stuff like that so you gotta go ahead and walk a fine line and
2: i i think something to mention too about it is like i think so i'm gonna pull up a tweet real quick because i think it's important um sinead Farrelly, who um was one of the players to come out against the abuse of um paul riley um She had tweeted and sorry, my phone's taking a little bit of time here. She said in a, in a series of a couple tweets, wishing death upon someone because of their beliefs, canceling someone because they disagree with how you perceive the world. Those things don't create real change. They continue the cycle of separation and division. Mm -hmm. No soul is lost. We're all in this together. Hashtag see higher. And then she said, not sure what people are referencing to in their angry replies. It seems soccer related. I'm going to be honest. I don't really follow soccer at all anymore. So not sure what's going on. But either way, I stand by what I say for now. Beliefs change plus evolve just as we do. And then she followed it up by saying, Inclusion can feel triggering when we've been excluded. Oppression, exclusion, and suppression creates a fear of other. It creates anger towards other. All those feelings are valid and still exclusion won't cure exclusion. Hate won't cure hate. There's another way. And I think that's well said. And she's got some very angry fans uh, in her in her DMs right now. And I don't really think that's fair.
0: Yeah, I, that's the thing with uh, social media. It makes it very easy to uh, get angry because they don't have to show their face and say that to someone in person. They can just be angry and say that over the internet and then all you see is is that and I think that's a great point which you said Rachel is that sometimes we get too busy into canceling the person away to where we don't have to think about them anymore and then don't worry and then don't think about well you just did the same thing is that really helping the cause by further causing division because now you know there's going to be people in that camp that are going to raise their voice as well it's like we need to let her express her thoughts and actually Maybe perhaps, you know, she's going to get asked, you know, if she mm-hmm. ever is going to get picked in an 18 or in an 11, she will get asked that question. And then that will be her time to upfront, say it to everyone, you know, this is what I did I'm sorry, you know, all of that. I mean, we've seen people apologize and then be accepted and forgiven later. I think we should be able to give uh, this person a hint. I get it. It looks bad when you just went through this thing with Paul Riley, you just went through all these other things with the Thorns and the entire league. And you're and then still then-
2: going through all the stuff with Gavin Wilkinson still being yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Wilkinson, he just,
0: I mean, as soon as the end of his whole final happened, we talked about it, Eric, you know, the Chicago red stars coach. I mean, it's a cycle you're trying to break and it doesn't help. Right. And so that's just, it looks bad for those. And that's part of the reason why the supporters are upset as well. Um, but at least they do have this funds. Now they're going to help, uh, with the mental health of the players and um, it's like a charity fund that's being independently administered by like four trustees for mental health, living expenses, those kind of things uh, for those players. And I think that's really cool. And I think those are the things that in the wake of this, along with arguing for the CBA, right, they're fighting for a CBA right now, which is another thing that is going to help the league and help the players. And all those demands that got met right after all this stuff that happened, like they're making strides forward right now. And hopefully that's the things we need to focus on more than one player that got drafted that we don't even know if they're ever going to see the light of day uh, on that team for a while and trying to cannibalize her over a retweet. I just choose to like, let's look at the positive things. Obviously, it's going to take a long time for this stuff to change. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, but we're seeing progress, you know, and, and that's a, that's a positive thing as well. Uh, well, let's finally, we talked a lot about NWSL here and that was really the main story of this, uh, for the most part, but Charlotte FC is also a new team joining the major league soccer. Um, they, they now make it an even 28 for this season. That's nice where you can have even them. Uh, and uh, so Nashville moves over to the Western Conference to move to, to allow Charlotte to go over to the East. So now you're going to have uh, a rivalry there as well. That's, that's nice. And hopefully Charlotte can bring in what we've, what we saw with Austin last season and then bring in the sellouts or bring in the big crowds. And they did bring in some new players as well in that expansion draft. Um, Rachel, did you, uh, see, see this and any thoughts on, on the players or anything?
2: I didn't watch the expansion draft, but I did see the picks. Um, I think Tristan Blackman's obviously the first name that pops out uh, from LAFC. I was kind of surprised that none of the Sounders players got taken. I was happy about it, um, <laughs> but I was definitely surprised about it. Um, but I also think Ismail, um, I can't say his last name, Ch- Tajari. T-
0: t- yeah, Tajari Shardy. To
2: yeah, that's, I mean, that's obviously a good pickup coming from New York City FC. You had to think that they were going to obviously get someone selected. Anton Walks, Joseph Mora, McKenzie, Gaines, I don't really have much to say about them because I don't really know much of their games. But I think, obviously, Tristan Blackman's the, the name that comes up.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing is with this expansion, yeah, very similar to what happened with um the, the Wave, they wound up only uh, taking they wound up only taking three of those players because uh, it's actually, unfortunately, Rachel, the player that you mentioned, Tristan Blackman and Tajiri Shroudi, both got traded immediately.
2: When did Blackman so, get traded? So,
0: Tristan uh, so Blackman got traded immediately to the Vancouver Whitecaps for $350,000, and Tajiri Shroudi got traded to LAFC for 400000
1: Blackman, 350000 gam for twenty two. 125,000 game for 20. 20- my excuse is that we had basketball then. <laughs> hey,
0: you won a chance, you know, you want a trophy, that's Rachel. Right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that, you know, congratulations, boy. Thank you. You know, that's that's uh, pretty awesome. You know, that's more trophies than we're winning, sure. So. <laughs> but honestly, it, I think this is It's a start for Charlotte. You know, these expansive sides, it's always difficult for them when they first come in.
1: All I'm saying to Charlotte is do my boy Joseph Moore justice, okay? We thank you, D.C. United, for your excellent yep. service, helping to anchor our defense. We'll still be rooting for you. Don't make me drive to Charlotte and start busting some heads if he ain't getting some good time. That's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah, man, Anton Walks, who at one point played with Tottenham. So if you can get that kind of form, uh, from him. So And like you said, uh, more 76 times he appeared for D.C. United, so hopefully he can start that and do well for Charlotte on- Let's quickly go over to the U.S. men's national team side of things here. They did have their final game on Saturday. We were going to do, uh, you know, a, a show for that. But honestly, oh, my God, what was the point? There was really nothing going on in that game, uh, Eric. And, man, I feel like – I agree. I, I fell asleep, I think, and as soon as they started the second half. until about the 60th minute. But, Rachel, your boy, Jordan Moss – Jordan Morris – the best player on the the entire team by a mile at least he showed he was active he was trying to get in he had a he had the clearest chance also a header that that man uh you really hope i'm sure he wishes he had back as well i know you didn't see it rachel but you got you
2: punt for jordan Morris. oh my gosh i'm so excited um he I, I can't even imagine tearing your acl once but then doing it twice uh in the span of just like a, a, a couple years. Like it's crazy. Um, just his resilience to come back and to to make it I remember on the media call he had said like it was a goal of mine to get back into the national team before the end of the year. Um and to get back with the Sounders before the end of the year. So I was really excited when I saw his name get called up. I'm glad he got got some time, got some minutes and I mean it's just it's just a building block for, for twenty 22 and you know the road to cutter
0: yeah eric i mean that's somebody that the team could really use up front having somebody else that can either be on the wing create, create things and and have that speed and also be a number nine which the u.s still has not really locked down ricardo pepe again kind of had some moments he had that taquito there at one moment there um but he didn't have the best game Uh, Jesus Ferreira, I think at at certain points his FC Dallas teammate looked better. What'd you think?
1: I mean, Ferreira really did. And the key thing with what Burhalter likes to do, especially in 4 3 formation, and we (laughs) saw this really in the first half in particular, our right wing, the left side of Bosnia and Herzegovina, we just exploited, exploited, exploited. And that's where Morris came in at his best being a threat in the final third, making those cuts inside. And he said, being in that number nine position in the middle, right in the six-yard box that created the header to try to clean it up. But the problem was, when you have a team like Bosnia and Herzegovina, number one, they had that red card after the tackle yeah. on Kellen Acosta.
0: Which, that really changed the game completely.
1: It entirely. And I was thinking, all right, they started at a 5 2 they may go something like 4-3, 4-4-1. No, they kept their general 5-3-1 shape. But not only that, they adjusted. As you saw in the second half, they closed down that right wing. It was just about gone. The U.S. did not adapt. It wasn't until Bassett and Cowell, the young fresh legs, came on where you saw more activity. Any sort of change that finally led to that goal. So I'm thinking to myself, if you've got a team with 10 like that who can adjust, you're someone who loves to tinker. Why aren't you doing those same adjustments as well? It was something that we had mentioned plagued off and on during a couple of windows. It's like, all right, this isn't going well, but I'm sticking with it anyway. So I've yeah, got I a mean, few question marks. What bothered me is more of the, this game doesn't matter. I mean, uh-huh.
0: yes, you get to have the nice statement that you have the most wins in one calendar year for the Eastman's Nations
1: ever. Most wins, most, most show tied for most shutouts. Yeah. Turner most shutouts. All of that. So great. But what will I, it I mean, be? but that
0: that's the thing, is like it doesn't matter at the end of it. Uh, like Walker Zimmerman looked good, you know, everything. That's great to see him. You needed a leader. Okay, that's fine. I thought Rodon at least tried to get things going, but he committed too many turnovers. Kellen Acosta Mm -hmm. looked like he couldn't be bothered half the time. It's just like, why are we even bothering starting all these veterans that we already know what you're getting out of them? Like, start a Jonathan Gonzalez that you went forever trying to chase him yep. to keep him from going to Mexico. The one time you get into play for the national, you don't start him. You start George Bello instead. And he has another game where he looks so frail defensively. And then he goes forward and he doesn't look great either. Look, I know he's 19 years old, but like, still, it's just, you kind of know from the of qualifiers that you've seen him in, what you're getting out of him. Like, I just don't understand the point. Cause Jonathan, uh, you know Gomez, sorry, Jonathan Gomez and Josh Zarda is combined, and his shot is what makes it open up for Cole Bassett to get the goal in the 89th minute. So get more of that younger infusion that's willing to go out there and take some chances. I mean, Brian Reynolds came into the second half, had some impressive moments going forward. He's, I think, he's still a little bit of a liability going backwards, but and defending. But it's just, you know, I felt like I would have rather him just started some some other guys and just take your chance and
1: especially since with a lot of these younger guys as they mentioned (laughs) olympic qualifying and all of the U 20 world cup you've got a little bit of a different cycle now so these guys are going to have to get some because it's not the u23 team more now for this you're looking for the u20s to go ahead and do double duty and finally break that Olympics. Get them minutes situations ahead of those qualifiers. It would have been a lot better.
0: I mean, the the cool thing, at least, is that you've played so many of these young guys in the world of qualifiers that, man, talk about embarrassment of riches now that you can actually pull out to the under 20 in the Olympics. Think about all those players now you can actually use for those teams if you want to really try to make the Olympics for once. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to give Greg Berhalter credit for that. And a credit for a lot of things. We can we can, you know, uh nitpick some things about Mr. Burholter, the triple G, whatever you want. But the team is in a good position right now. I mean, we really haven't had you on much to talk about Yusma's national team, Rachel, but like of what you've seen of the team this season with or this year with Greg,
2: any thoughts or anything? Well, I mean, beating Mexico three times is pretty good. Um yeah. I I think there's so many people to harp on one game yesterday was a meaningless friendly. Um, It was, you know, some time to get some minutes for some players. Um, I have a sneeze coming. Sorry. (laughs) Um, But I mean, I, I haven't been like, I was skeptical about Greg at first, but you know, as the, as the time has gone on, I I'm definitely a lot more comfortable with him. I think his roster decisions have been much better. Um, and I guess I'll just have more for you for the next qualifying because a lot of it for me is about, okay, what are your rosters going to look like for World Cup qualifying?
1: Yeah, and, and that's going to really be the big factor. It's like, all right, how much from this friendly what we're seeing are going to go into those really what are going to be critical rosters for key game end of January, beginning of February? Because as I tweeted out, it's a tight table at the top. Two points separate The entire top, yes, fourth place is going to be in the playoff against Oceania. All right, so you have an opportunity to go ahead and beat the mailman, wunderbar You want to, (laughs) you want to avoid that entirely. And if you're looking to avoid that entirely, these three games are going to be the most critical because you don't want to go into that March window, especially going to Mexico trying to chase points. So he's. Greg's got time to lo- learn from this, Greg. I'm not losing faith in you, but take as much information as you can
2: and learn from. I forgot you. about the mailman. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, I, I knew Eric was going to take a minute to uh, discuss the mailman.
2: Look, but... I,
1: I, I, I did you not think after seeing the results of the international play or the intercontinental playoff that I wasn't going to mention? Come course, on now. Of <laughs> Uh, so
0: since we're already talking about U.S. Men's National Team and U.S. Women's National Team They did have the awards uh, For Soccer Player of the Year Christian Pulisic wins by 10% Over Matt Turner uh, He got 31% of the vote uh, Ricardo Pepe went 60% of the vote Over Eunice Musa to become Young Player of the Year on the men's side On the women's side It was Lindsey Horan taking 36% of the vote Over Carly Lloyd Who took 29 and Trinity Rodman Takes 48% of the vote over Katarina Mercario uh, to win young female player of the year. What do you think, Rachel, of these choices? Fuck the men's sign Trinity or
2: Dude, I love Trinity Rodman. She's so good. She is so good. And I didn't realize how good she was until I saw her, like, in my face in Louisville. Um, yeah, she's awesome. She's a great player. Um, I hope she has a nice long feature with the national team. Um, she had to opt out of the Australian games. Ten for one, she probably wasn't vaccinated because Australia is very strict with the requirement. Right. Um, So when a player kind of opts out for that, it's pretty obvious uh, to why. Um, I think that Lindsay Horan, uh, I I think Kristen Press is the winner, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think they added Kristen Press because they knew everyone would have voted for her. And I kind of feel like they were trying to set it up for Carly to win. But Lindsay Horan was just better. I mean, Lindsay Horan's a great player. She, it's a very deserving award for her as well. Um, But yeah, US soccer, I think they tried to set it up for Carly to win and then it like completely backfired.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that was all set up for Carly Lloyd to win. They purposely did not, they made it five and not six, uh, I think, to exclude Kristen Press. And then, like you said, and it's surprised that they did go with Lindsay Horan. Uh, but that's good. They chose the player, I think that had shown the best out of the ones that were there. Um, And that's good for the, the soccer journalists. Don't just go with the settlement of pick, choose the actual one that no. deserves it. I think on the men's side it's kind of a, uh, you knew those are the two. Um And it, I think there's much debate there. I think maybe uh, uh, Matt Turner has had done splendidly. You know, you could say he's, he has no reason to lose his spot to Zach Steph in the way he's played, but that is uh you know, a discussion for another day, but good on the four players that won. And, you know, those awards are, are huge for them, obviously. But speaking of the, since we're staying on this U.S. national team spotlight here, and Christopher Sopluska is involved in our next uh, topic here, Eric, this has been a rumor that's been swirling around for a while since Xavi uh, took over at Barcelona. And there actually has been a transfer list put out. And one of those names on there is Sergio Dest. And another one is Frankie Dijon. Some other players got put out. Ter Stegen, their goalkeeper. Their best goalkeeper got put on the transfer list. Um, so, you know, Desch wants to go to Bayern Munich. And there's talk of them trying to go after three Chelsea players um, for Barcelona. And one of them is Christian Pulisic going on a loan or a sale to Barcelona, along with Antoine Rudiger and uh, Hudson-Odoi. For, uh, it would be a different change for Clo to go play a less physical league right oh, I mean, yeah. he can show he can show a bit more there but he was starting in the game today that, mm-hmm. that happened this uh you know this morning or yesterday depending on seeing or listening to this he was starting up front he didn't I don't feel like he had you know his best game or anything but he's playing for Chelsea regularly I mean is there a positive to this at all for to, to see uh Christian go over to Barcelona?
1: I mean, it really is, because with all of Thomas Tuchel's demands about the style of play, you can already tell Puglisic has learned so much, and he has fought and fought and kept up that ethic and has done well in his starting appearance. But as you mentioned, you're going from arguably one of the most physical of Europe's top five leagues, without a doubt the most technical. If you combine the physicality that he's with honing more of those technical skills, he could potentially be a dynamite player for Barcelona. That's the positive. But as those who were watching saw earlier, I have to rain on the negative. Yes, Xavi with the transfer list is creating a potential sell to buy. Fine. But the matter still stands. Can you afford him? Is Watukul and everybody at Chelsea with Roman Abramovich, are they going to say, hey, we've got a prime guy. He's got a Champions League winner's medal. You don't. It's going to cost. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's why they might be going for the loan on them because he already broke the U.S. Uh, transfer record for how expensive he was to go over to Chelsea from Dortmund. I mean, I can't imagine how much they would try to outprice Barcelona just for Pulisic. That doesn't even include one of his favorite defenders, an Antoine Rudiger and a guy in Hudson-Odoi whose people have already tried to go grab, and he said no. So that's going to be one of those that I don't think it's going to happen that way. Will he really just go after Pulisic? I don't know. I mean, and then Sergino Des went to go to Bayern. Would he really start there? You're technically, you were starting in Barcelona. And obviously, if Xavi doesn't uh, find you, you know, he doesn't favor you, then you're not really going to play much either. I mean, Rachel, you're always one about having these players play in Europe. I mean, they're going to more... I mean, they're already at elite clubs. So, you know, that's probably it's better for him to go to Bayern. I mean, that's a talk about the players he could learn from there. I mean, do you see these these moves happening at all? And then do you think they're good moves for either? One?
2: It's so hard for me to imagine Pelusic in a Barcelona kit in Barcelona speaking Spanish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right? But I, I think the, the move. That she'll mentioned that I think is definitely high on my list is the Serginio Dest to potentially Bayern because of just how much he can learn from there. I, I don't think, I don't think Barca is a good fit for him right now. I think if, it, and I know like, I know it's such, so cheap to say like, oh, he's going to go to, um, Bayern. He's going to win like every, but there is good competence in the Bundesliga. Um, And I think he, I think the Bundesliga is pretty physical and I think that's what he needs, especially playing in a league like CONCACAF. So I don't think like he would be out in like no man's land. I think he would hold up well. Um, It's just, there's so much talent on that team and that itself could push him. And like, he just would have to push for that starting spot.
0: Yeah. he definitely would be able to push for that starting spot. But I think also what helps is we have that big American continue. Look at Chris Richards, look at Joe Scali. Get another assist over there for Gladbach, you know. Um, look at uh, what's uh, – Gio Reyna still coming back from his injury, but he's there, you know. So, I mean, I think that's a good thing for him, too. If he gets to go over to the German league, it's a different style of play, different manager to learn from. Nagelsmann's a fantastic coach. I mean, so – and and look at all the players around you that you're getting to learn from, and just in a – you know, not as just as a defender, but also as an attacker. Look at all those players they have um There as well. I think that's fantastic, for him If he does get to go, still got two more players. We talked about this one, but I'm interested in it to get Rachel's take because Atletico is not in a good. They're not in a good spot, right? They have looked bad. um They lucked out that Milan happened to be playing Liverpool, and they just been bad in the Champions League, but good in Italy, and they've made it into the Champions League, but they. They really look like, based on how they've been playing La Liga, it looks like man, you, know, you could go in there, do well against them. Ricardo Pepe, the latest on him is that Atletico Madrid is interesting. Talk about, like, this is your first team you go away from FC Dallas. Now, you know, venture abroad. You got to really make that decision interesting. Like, there's so many teams after him. Do you think that that's the best place for him?
1: I mean, personally, I don't know because, yes, Antoine Griezmann coming back. Another great striker to learn from. Still a very, like, top caliber. But especially if you're going, like, a two up front and in that sort of system, they're already looking to sell Zhao Feli after he's all of a sudden falling out of favor. So you could say, all right, another wunderkind and, like, somewhat gone bust. But those are still some pretty intense shoes to fill. Even though it is Atletico... Still somewhat of a little brother to Real in from a dream. You've got big shoes to fill and you're still in a pretty big spotlight. So I wouldn't be disappointed. I would be excited to see, but I think for something like that, it would be a little, just a teeny bit still too much, at least from my perspective.
0: I mean, there was uh, supposedly there's already a deal with Whisper, but they can't figure out the money. And then the Ajax was also. In. Do you have any kind of a preference you'd want to see him if you say this like, is your first? First team you're going to abroad, Rachel. Ajax, probably. Yeah, I mean, talk about a fantastic coach you're getting to learn from. Eric right? Tanhag yeah, on think, the list of everyone. Right?
2: I don't think Athletico the right fit.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's weird because Simeone is playing some weird style that I don't think fits them right now with the players they have. And then Felix is actually one of their better players. Every time he comes on, they actually have a little bit of life to them. So it's weird that he's being the, on the mark of getting sold. The last one that's very interesting to me, because I think this is a total upgrade for him, considering where his team is that he's at right now, to the team that is definitely on the rise based on how they played again today. I think we're finally going to start seeing Antonio Conte at his best. Rumors of Weston McKinney to Tottenham. What do you think about that, Rachel? Leaving the sinking ship that is Juventus at the moment to go to one that's rising.
2: I don't know. I kind of want him back in the Bundesliga. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Weston McKinney is like a big guy.
0: All right, that's fair. I mean, that's where he learned his trade and... And became the player who he is. And a lot of people still miss that Okay, They're they're saying he's not the same player since going to. What do you think, Eric? I mean, go over there and uh, learn from from Conte.
1: Oh, yeah. As much as it means Tottenham is going to be a bigger thorn on our side, bring it on. Come to the Premier League. Get yourself right. I say avoid this ship because... Hate to say it, but Tottenham's going to be scary again. Especially now that they're going to be in a better position up front. It's just kind of connects and you can build in, again, a more physical style of play. You see him already try to want to lay the hammer down in CONCACAF. Being exposed to this more weak out gives you more the confidence and power to do that in the international It's Sorry, Rachel, although I'm with you in saying, you know, he'd be great in the Boonish Liga. It's, come on. London it it clubs. is the Prem. I get it. It's the Prem. Well, yeah. It's and hard world, not to, yeah. yeah. And London clubs have got to do something. Not too much this season. Come on, you bees. Keep doing me proud. But after that, <laughs> okay. I'm just saying. Yeah,
0: Let's hope Brentford stays with just for Eric's uh, sanity there. Not so just last... my
1: sanity, my wallet,
0: too. Yes, <laughs> your wallet. That's very important. Don't want to be losing that. So the last thing before we get out of here. Very interesting news. A shocker, really, that, that kind of just came out of nowhere one day. We're talking about Comable Bowl is going to be added to the UEFA Nation in 2024, upping that tournament from from 16 to 22 in League A and then 16 to 20 in League B. The top six teams, which includes Argentina and Brazil, are now going to be playing. Imagine that. All of those great teams that are in that that gr- League A, are getting to play Argentina, Brazil, and then some of the other top, you know, the Uruguays and the Perus and all those. And then, you know, my my wonderful country, Venezuela, goes down to the League B. And, well, they still get to play some cool competition as well. So those are going to be some cool games to get to watch. But talk about the ramifications here. FIFA's trying to do this biennial World Cup. And then this is a total shot in the face here to the biennial World Cup. Uh, uh,
1: first of all, from a logistical aspect, I do like that they're going to have all the matches in Europe. That's going to be saving in everything. class. But am I the only one that's not a fan of the no- actual numbers in allocation? I think with League B, you're going to be expanding that to 20. from That's fine. That works with schedule. But then in League A, okay, so you're going to have, what, two groups of five and six? I'm not entirely the biggest fan, at least from that angle. But my second point, I'll make it quickly. Yes, this is a major slap in the face to Gianni Infantino and FIFA for the Biennial World Cup. But what if in a roundabout way, this becomes the genesis of something else that Infantino wants? And now you're saying, okay, we're going to do this. Why not go ahead and make it a full global?
0: Yeah, it is that step, right? Because they could eventually, let's say, add... Because these are going to be playing in Europe, so mm-hmm. there's not like they're going back and forth to South America and England. It's the South American teams are just going to be in Europe when they play these games, which is good for them as well, right? To get that experience of playing in Europe. I mean, let's say you could add Asia to it, right? You could add, mm-hmm. um, you could add the CAF nations to it. The
2: mailman, right?
0: the mailman. I mean, yes, you could do that. I as mean, well.
1: <laughs> if you're going to balance out league. Since one of those groups has only three, you can slot the mailmen right in. See how far they go. <laughs> I wouldn't be mad about that. Make them earn their place. They could. They could win some games. You never know, right? That's why I say League D. Maybe you get them in a cycle or two. Be confident in the competitive. Mean. I don't know. Mailmen deliver all kinds of things. I'll just. <laughs> that was, what a good pun.
2: <laughs>
0: I think that's the good thing to end on as well. Let's just end it right there. Um, thank you so much, Rachel, for joining us on this one. It's great to have you as always. Um, hopefully, we can have you more on during season starts ramping up for the American side of things. Uh, we'll be back next week talking about more of what is going on in the global world of soccer, of course with an American spin. And until then, enjoy ho- enjoy your holidays. Enjoy your Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, All of that Um, It'll be after that when we join you Hope everybody gets all those gifts And everything else that you wanted And well listen to us Wherever you can on on all those uh, Podcast places, rate and review there You can rate and review us on Spotify Now they have a review Five star system So if you go listen to us Give us those ten reviews so we can have our rating Right there when you go try to find us On Spotify, let's do it And, of course, go subscribe, like, and everything else on YouTube and everywhere else. And until then, next time, we'll see you later, everybody. Peace!